today on CityCast Chicago. Who will 1st District Congressman Bobby Rush endorse in this year's primary? Well, for nearly 30 years, the answer was Bobby Rush. But the race got more interesting last week when the 15-term congressman announced he's not running for re-election. We're looking back at Rush's career with longtime political reporter Laura Washington, who says his path to office was anything but standard. It's Monday, January 10th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Laura, let's start with Congressman Rush's background. What was his path to elected office? Well, he had a very unusual and, in fact, unique path to Congress. Uh, He started as a Black Panther, a street activist, a radical activist Mm -hmm. back in the late 60s. Bobby Rush, Panther Deputy Minister of Defense. To try to make people see that those pigs in the power structure, that they got genocide on their mind, that they're out to kill wantonly all oppressed people, and especially black people. Some point became disenchanted with uh, that movement and decided he wanted to get into electoral politics, uh, ran for Alderman a couple times, second time he won. He won at a time of a lot big change and reform because he came in uh, in the same election as Harold Washington, uh, Chicago's first black mayor, and was a, a very close ally of Harold Washington, served a couple terms as an alderman, and then moved on to Congress. Uh, he's, it's, he was steadily climbing up the establishment ladder. What were some of his most striking moments as a congressperson? Being a a staunch and consistent and persistent civil rights activist, never hesitating to be outspoken, particularly for African-Americans, even though his district is racially mixed uh, and has been for many years, he is a race man and he believes in black empowerment and and he believes in equity. And that's been his hallmark, which I think is not a surprise given his his origins from the Black Panthers. Yeah. Um, The congressperson has has gone through some very public and personal moments throughout his tenure, which included losing family members, getting cancer of the salivary gland in 2008. After treatment, the cancer was gone, but it did affect his voice, uh, making a little, you know, halted and slurred. Can you talk about some of those moments and how they shaped his career as well as his activism in his later years? His son was was brutally uh, murdered, shot to death in the late 90s. And of course, like anyone, that would have a huge impact on you personally. But he took that experience and he turned it around and resolved to become an an anti-violence and a gun control advocate at a time when many in Congress were not, even in the Democratic Party, were not very outspoken on that. Only a mother, only a mother could scream that primal scream. I never will forget the primal scream of my son's mother shot down in cold blood on the streets of Chicago. It's time to end this chorus of primal screams in our nation and it's time to end it right now. Even as a congressman, he was always very anti-establishment, even the way he dressed. You see him in a dashiki, you see him in African Mm -hmm. garb at events. Yeah, before they were doing it for public He was doing it because he was doing it, because that's who he was. You know, one moment that that really sticks out to me, I remember being in college, it was the day after my mom's birthday. It was March of 2012, around the time of the, the killing of Trayvon Martin. And 
he came out, you know, wearing a hoodie on the congressional floor. Racial profiling has to stop, Mr. Speaker. Just because someone wears a hoodie does not make them a hoodlum. The Bible teaches us, Mr. Speaker, in the book the of Micah 6, 6 the member, 8, will the member will suspend. These words. The, the member will These suspend. words. He the has member, shown you, old man. The member will what is suspend. Good? The chair must remind what does members not, of What does the Lord of require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That Trayvon Martin example is, is classic because he wanted to make a statement. It was a symbolic statement, but it was very powerful. And he was slapped down for that. He was reprimanded because you're not supposed to wear a hoodie. You're not supposed to wear a hat on the floor of Congress. The chair must remind members that Clause 5 of Rule 17 prohibits the wearing of hats in the chamber when the House is in session. The chair finds that the donning of a hood is not consistent with this rule. Members need to remove their hoods or leave the floor. He showed how ridiculous that, that kind of rule was at a time when, when there was a crisis for young black men in America. And he was trying to point that out by, by donning Trayvon's uh, hood and, and, and making that point. Yeah, I know I read a report just a couple of years ago about the, the state of his church on the South Side and that it, it was under disrepair and, and needed more attention. Do you have a sense of how he balanced being in D.C. but staying connected uh, to not only his congregation, but, you know, uh, parts of his district? Well, I think, yes, he did have some challenges, some financial and economic challenges with that church. And I believe he got some he he got some grant money, might have been some corporate donations and some other grant money to do some economic development work. And it didn't it didn't come it didn't come through. It, well, he wasn't as effective as he could have been with that project. Digging a little deeper on the problems with Russia's church. According to the Better Government Association, Rush owed a million dollars on a loan to buy and refurbish a church in Inglewood. When Rush didn't pay back the loan, a Cook County judge ordered the congressman to forfeit 15 percent of his congressional salary to repay it. Another controversy the BGA reported was a million dollar donation of Rush's nonprofit from what is now AT&T that was intended for a technology center in his district. That was never built. The congressman defended that to the BGA by saying the money was for programming and claimed that's where it went. The House Ethics Committee also ordered Rush to pay back rent on an office space in Chicago because he got it for free in violation of House rules and federal law. We're talking about the future of the first district next. Stick around. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with aligner experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way. 
So stay tuned for their Old Town location. Let's talk about his district, Illinois' first congressional district. Um, I've lived in it most of my life. Can you give me a sense of the geography uh, for people who are listening? Well, it takes up a good uh, portion of Chicago's South Side, Chicago's Black South Side, which is which is the oldest uh, African American community, one of the oldest African American communities in the nation. But it stretches because of uh, redistricting over the years, over the, these 30 years that he's been in Congress. It's become less black and more uh, racially mixed. It stretches now from the near south side of Chicago all the way out to Kankakee, to the very far southern southern edge of the metropolitan area and beyond. So it has rural parts of the district. It has very, very urban parts of the district. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting because, because Chicago is such a segregated city, uh, his district has always been one of the blackest of black districts in the country. Back in, in the mid, uh, from 2003 to 2013, uh, I've seen numbers that show that it, that it had the highest proportion of black voters in the nation at that, at that time. It was around 65%. It's less now, closer to 50%, but it's still a very uh, heavily African-American district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I live in, in HP, one of the neighborhoods in his district, and I've watched as it's changed. But I've moved as far as, as parts of the South Suburb. I worked in uh, going down to Kankakee. And so, yeah, I, there's a, a little range there. The interesting thing about that, too, is that he obviously has to respond to his constituents, and his constituents are not all African American. Not only that, but there's multi, uh, there's multi class, multi race, uh, rural areas where they're, where, mo- where they're mostly whites. But that hasn't stopped him from being outspoken on civil rights long before many others were. Um, he's he's been able to manage to balance the needs of his of his constituents and yeah i'm i mean frankfurt is in his yes uh in his district and i once saw a clan rally <laughs> go through frankfurt when i was in high school there you go uh, you talked a little bit about how the politics of the the first j- district has changed how much of a shoe-in had he been throughout those 30 years was there ever a strong contender or or was it a, a pretty clear victory throughout his 15 terms for the most part he was he was uh in his primaries i think his first primary he he came in with 83% of the vote in a, in the primary and of course he's he wins overwhelmingly in the general election because it's a, such a heavily democratic district i think that there was never a, a real threat from any of his challengers but the most interesting and most high profile threat was of course when a lowly state senator named Barack Obama decided to take him on in 2000. One of the things that I think we need as we enter into the new millennium is somebody who's got the skill set required not only to deal with government but also to be able to put government programs together with non-for-profits and the private sector to make things work for people in the district. Congressman. I just like to say this. I mean, I really have a lot of respect for both of my challenges. That's why I'm working so hard. But, you know, uh, they have a record. I mean, Senator Barack, he represents a part of Inglewood. His district has always been in Inglewood. Uh, Inglewood's always been in his district. What has he done? I I I mean, what what, Congressman. You know, uh, they have uh, records in the in the, uh, in the state senate, in the state senate. What have they done? They want they want they want to they, the they want year. they want they want to because Bobby Rush was such a well-established elected official because of his own history. Um, but Barack Obama didn't get very far with that. He uh, he I think uh, in that primary, Bobby Rush kind of swept the floor with him, and it was the only time that, that Barack Obama ever lost an election. He did more than just defeat me. He spanked me. He lost by like 30 points to Bobby Rush. 
the last few years or the last few races, you've had some people in the early runnings come out on the position of like, you know, maybe it's time to go younger, time to go with somebody new. Was that the same rhetoric that you were hearing in 2000? That's absolutely what you were hearing. Barack Obama was a much younger man. He had a different style of politics. He, you know, he came from a different uh, demographic and and personal background, having been educated at Harvard, the law degree, the whole bit. And he would say, he was his argument was it's time for a change. You know, I have different kinds of relationships than Bobby Rush that does. I think differently. I'm I'm the future. And the response that the voters had for him at that time was, we're not ready for that future. It's interesting because I think that you're going to see that kind of conversation uh, in the debate about replacing Bobby Rush. There are a lot mm-hmm. of younger people who've been waiting for 30 years uh, or, or, or maybe even longer to, to move up. And there's going to be a, there, there's some of those younger candidates are going to be making the case that it's time for that generation to move on, just as Barack Obama tried to, to make it uh Back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there were a few people already lining up to challenge Rush in this year's primary. But now we essentially have a wide open race, which hasn't happened since, uh, you know, Tupac was still putting out records. Uh, <laughs> who who are the, some of the people we know as of right now who are vying for this seat? Well, there's there were like five or six people in the race who were playing on challenge, challenging Rush before he decided to retire. And none of those people have said they're getting out. Most of them, most of them are not very well known. With I would say, with the exception, the big exception of Jamal Cole, the the leader of uh, my block, my hood, my city, who is uh, established activist, very uh, well known. He's been he's been very public with his campaigning so far. It's going to be a slew of people getting into this race. I wouldn't be surprised if you get more than a dozen or more serious candidates. Um, people like Pat Dowell, the the uh, the alderman who the third ward alderman who had been planning on running for secretary of state, who just announced that she's going to go after that job. People like Jack Jacqueline Collins, the state senator from from the southwest side. There's a lot of pent up interest and and people are saying it's time for change. And so you're going to see a lot of people stepping out. What do you think voters are going to be looking for out of a candidate come June? You know, parts of. Um, the the first district have seen major development over the last 20, 30 years. And there are parts of the first district that uh, have seen population loss and, and increased challenges. What do you, what do you think voters are going to be wanting to hear? Well, it of course, depends on which part of the district you're talking about, but I would think in the heart of the district on, in the, the South side of Chicago, there's no uh, community, there's no ge- geography that's suffering more right now in this pandemic and, and, and in uh, this, the assault on violence than the south side of Chicago. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversation around economic development, around reviving the businesses and, and communities that have been hit so hard. Someone, someone from the suburbs who has never spent much time uh, working with elected officials and community leaders in the city is going to have a hard time making the case to city voters. And, and that'll be the, the reverse will also be true. If you haven't already been out in those south suburbs, if you haven't been out to Bourbonnais or Kankakee already, they don't know you already there. There's not any demonstration that you've cared about those communities before now. Um, you're, that's going to put you at a disadvantage. Uh, it's, it's, I think someone who's going to be seen as a bridge builder. I had the fortune of listening to the congressperson talk before the past election 
um, over at Healthy Hood Chicago, which is an organization on the west side over in the, the Pilsen neighborhood. Um, and again, he was still as active as ever, wanting to hold the next administration uh, accountable, you know, being out there on the forefront of missing black girls across the city of Chicago and wanting to do more for violence. Ultimately, after 30 years, Lord, do you have a sense of what is his congressional legacy? His congressional legacy is that he's always cared about racial equity and civil rights above all. And he he didn't need uh, this, re, this awakening that we've all been experiencing in, the, in this country in the last couple of years over over the murder of George Floyd to tell him that race still matters. He's a, he's a race man through and through, and that's always been at the forefront of what he believes in and what he stands for. And he's never been afraid to say that. Uh, he was saying it a long time before it became uh, popular to say it. As we've said, the district, uh, the first district, this this stronghold, especially on the south side of Chicago for many black folks, uh, it faces many challenges moving forward. Whoever steps into those shoes for however many terms they have in front of them uh, will have a lot of questions to answer, uh, a lot of people to be held accountable to. um, And we'll probably have you back, Laura, to talk about it more. Laura Washington is a Sun-Times columnist and a political analyst for ABC7. Laura, again, thank you so much for spending time with CityCast Chicago today. It's been great to have this conversation. Thank you. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. CPS classes are canceled again today as the Teachers Union and Mayor Lightfoot remain at odds about returning to in-person learning. CTU released its latest safety proposal over the weekend, which would allow remote learning to begin Wednesday and in-person learning the following week. Once in-person instruction resumes, the union said if 30 percent of students are isolating and more than 30 percent of elementary school classes, they return to fully remote. The mayor reiterated Sunday that she will not support remote learning right now. But she did agree to buy 350,000 antigen tests from the state that are intended to go to schools. And some good news to get you through. You may not be able to see Disney's Frozen at the Cadillac Palace before it wraps, but Stan's Donut has a Frozen-themed donut you can quickly grab until the show ends January 22nd. I usually prefer that donuts, but I might have to try it out. For more Chicago news, stories, and events, check out our newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Following week. Following week. Here we go.